The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to the fifth annual unofficial, official, non Academy Award Awards, yeah. otherwise known as Uona. Uona! <laughs> I'm, I'm Brian from the Blokebusters Podcast, and joining me is. Is Paul from the Blokebusters Podcast. Hello! <laughs> uh, and and uh, also joining us is. Hello from England. This is uh, Bear from Back to the Podcast, and on my left, we've. This is Byron, co host. Uh, and uh, for those of you that want to get a hold of either of us uh, for any reason whatsoever, uh, you can find the Blokebusters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blokebusters. You can email us blokebusterpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to blokebusters.webs.com or podbros.com and look for Blokebusters. And that is our little web presence for you guys there. And uh, the Back to the Podcast guys, where oh, are you? You've got so many more than us. Ours is, ours is relatively <laughs> simple. Just Back to the Podcast on Twitter, Amazon, on Facebook. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Instagram. <laughs> Only Amazon we're we're not on Amazon, don't worry. Sorry, that was a slip of the tongue. Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, or Facebook. Um, like the prepared blog buses, we don't have a website, but it's, it's something that's in the pipeline. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. We're, our social media is, is, is much more contained. <laughs> yes, uh, much more reserved. Yes, yeah. I, I have been over over the years working on trying to get it out as quickly as possible yes. because what are you we, talking about? Now? Uh, quiet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Never you mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what did you think of the offering of films we got of 2017 before we go straight into the nominations? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, who wants to go first? You want to go, go first? Ahead. Uh, me. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, well, the offerings from last year. Well, there were many. Uh, many films from 2017. <laughs> Lots of good um, films. The best films. Yes. Um, yes the best. Films. Lot of the best brains behind those films. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Uh, my problem, having a, uh, a very young daughter, is that I didn't get to see most of them. Uh, so uh, for me, uh, the the smattering of films I got to see were uh, quite enjoyable for the most part. So uh, I I quite liked uh, some of the things we got. Uh, I I did think maybe not quite as many notable ones as mm-hmm. some of the other years, but um, still we we definitely had quite a few gems in there that we'll be getting to. Yeah. Um, I did get out to see quite a lot. Um, <laughs> as far as the, the the entire year, I thought it was a kind of mediocre year in film. Um, there were a couple of outliers of just fantastic films, which uh, we will definitely uh, will be mentioning, I'm sure, here shortly. Um, but once again, just I think as much as I do enjoy the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and stuff, just... Very heavy. I think their most releases in a year. I think they had three 
Yeah, yeah three. Right. Yeah. Um, but just uh, just so heavy loaded on that end. We need to see more films like one of the ones we'll be mentioning. It's kind of independent films that are really fantastic. But as a whole, I thought it was so-so, just with a couple of uh, great exceptions in there. And you guys? Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt... Um... I, I kind of felt like it was a relatively good year. I mean, for, for films. I mean, it, it always it always resonates with me when I come to like the worst our worst film category. And I think, well, if I've got you know hundreds to rattle off, then it, you know that that sort of says something to me. And this this year, I don't feel like there was that many. I, I feel like I agree with you, um, Brian, that I think it wasn't the best year, but it also wasn't the worst. I think there was a lot of interesting films came out this year, and and a lot of again, you know, we'll, we'll be mentioning. I'm sure several of them, but um, I just don't feel like there were too many terrible ones. I, I, I feel like there could have been a few more great ones. Um, we'll see what 2018 brings, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was okay with it. Byron? Absolutely. It feels like now that in the industry we're getting some well-established um, you know, sections that movies like to operate in and that fans can clearly identify with the kind of movie they like and then they can confidently go to the cinema to get what they're expecting. But what's nice about it on the playing field is that there's still a few little wild cards that come out as well. Uh, this year we saw things uh, like What Happened to Monday, um, Wind River was another one that I really enjoyed, and then there's some really kind of oddball movies as well, like Shape of Water. So there's some interesting things that, that have been coming through as well as the as the really big obvious Hollywood uh, blockbusters, uh, epics that we expect, very very cinematic. So it's been an exciting year. Um, I think that this is a pretty positive indicator right now for movies of 2018, and I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a good and a healthy and exciting and diversified year for cinema this year as well. Yeah. Well put. Very well put. <laughs> and uh, yeah. also, and feel free to cut this out, I'm fucking kicking myself for not putting Numi Rapace forward for what happened to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> when he said that, I was thinking, oh, yeah, well, no, you Wait a minute, didn't we? <laughs> we can't add it in now. It took too long to get the decision we came to. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Oh, God, this, what but this is a good podcast, boys. Let the battle begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, try and find a good edit point. And, uh, no, just keep it. Right, just keep so, it. In. <laughs> so yeah, I I think I'll uh, I'll be going first. And the first category we have this year is the first category we had last year, which is the best male actor. And there is zero reason why that is first over female. It just happened to be what it was. Well, <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yes, uh, the, the nominees for this one, uh, we have uh, Kumail Nanjiani for The Big Sick, Hugh Jackman in Logan, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, and also Bill Skarsgård in It. And the winner is... Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Yay. And very... Yay. Very well deserved. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> so, and uh, so, who who wants to put forward why this one won? Uh, well, I would like to hear what uh, Back to the Podcast has to say because yes, I, yeah, we may or may not get to some thoughts. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know you're saving something up for later, wrongs. but yeah, I mean, this this film just absolutely took me by surprise. I mean, I, I was not expecting to to. Um, enjoy this film and be as surprised by this film as I was and I think a large a large part of it was down to 
uh, young Daniel's performance there um, just absolutely blew it out of the water. I, I felt. I, I don't know if you you agree with me, Byron, but. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, fan- uh-huh. yeah, fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry, Byron. Yes, yeah, so our names do sound similar. I apologize. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you got to have a nickname. So mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. Um, this, what I like about this movie, and I'm sure we'll, we might be mentioning a bit more about Get Out in a in a while, is just the fact that it's interesting that in uh, the broad base of cinema, the kind of uh, category that this movie would occupy, which kind of crosses over virtually into horror and it's thriller, horror, horror drama. It shouldn't. You wouldn't necessarily think it would win and get into an Oscars sort of category podcast when there's so many big, big uh, standard movies that could sort of get an actor in with massive, massive budgets, and yet uh, a budget for a movie that was much smaller, that was a different kind of operation, that didn't require large, uh, you know, green screen type effects. And, and here we have the best, you know, the best male wins. I think that's, that says something about this movie. Yeah, definitely, and it's uh, one of those things where relatively unknown actor when it comes to the type of people you would end up seeing in best actor categories, and uh, I'm very happy to be able to <laughs> to give this guy's uh, little <laughs> award. Yeah, he just so perfectly played that situation that I think none of us can imagine being in. Um, no. Yes. And <laughs> just dealing with these extremely racist assholes and, <laughs> and it gets worse from there. <laughs> you haven't yes. seen the film. <laughs> and yes. uh, Try not to spoil for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he just plays that horror and that allegory so well. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see those actual awards, to see how things... Uh, not that these aren't actual, but the, yes. <laughs> the, the televised uh, version to see how things go down, because I'm really rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, fantastically done. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, category number two, I believe I'm passing this one over to Brian. That is correct. Uh, so this would be for Best Female Actor. Um, our nominees are... Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes, Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman, Anne Hathaway for Colossal, and Allison Williams for Get Out. And the winner is Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes. Uh, So... Uh, the reason I'm presenting this one is I was uh, alone on this one, but the the boys were very kind uh, to me here, and um, because of my passion for this role in this movie, it's a fantastic uh, movie that really the the numbers didn't do it justice, and it is if for anyone not aware, it is about the I believe 1973 match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, uh, Bobby Riggs being a kind of has been tennis player at that time, but well known hustler and. Uh, yeah chauvinistic sexist asshole and uh you know challenging women to this match and billy jean king you know they have this epic match and it's kind of the uh kind of one of the inciting things of the uh, women's movement that kind of inciting incidents and uh she just plays this real life person who i mean billy jean king was completely on board for she embodies that role so perfectly um you forget you're watching Emma Stone about five minutes into the movie. Right. Um, you, you, it feels like you're watching documentary footage, almost. Yeah. Uh, it, it is fantastic, and everyone should see it. Steve Carell is great in it, um, but she was just phenomenal and should have gotten the Oscar for this and not for her so-so La La Land. <laughs> yeah, I um, that. 
<laughs> but <laughs> but uh, even though I was probably on the record as having loved that at the time, but the, are, yes. yes, yes, yes. But the, the, the things have settled, and uh, yeah. But just couldn't can't say enough great things about it. So I encourage everyone to see this, and that is all <laughs> that I have to say about that. All right, um, and uh, for the next category, which uh, will be Best Young Adult, I believe we are passing this one off to Byron. Okay, so it's a pleasure to read this, uh, this, this one out for the Best Young Adult. There were some incredibly uh, promising actors that were put forward here, and it seems to be a very good year uh, for young actors, and uh, with no sign of that stopping in the terms of the way they take on roles and the volume of roles that they get. So without further ado, the nominations for the Best Young Adult. Sophia Lillis in It. Amia Miller in War for the Planet of the Apes. Daphne Keane in Logan. And Finn Wolfhard in the movie It. And the winner from It is Sophia Lillis. Byron, why don't we? Uh, why don't Why don't you start on why Why she won then? Yeah, I um, like I say, this has been. I think this has been a good year uh, for young actors, and uh, as well in television, as well as as well as for cinema. Um, one of the things that when I saw this movie that really really stood out about this actress, um, and one of the things that I I look for in a category like this is basically a young person that has the capabilities of a much older actor. Um, when I watched her performance, I felt that this is something that you know a 30 or 40 year old actress is doing, and she's in her teenage years. She's able to get the audience laughing at moments in that performance. She's get, she gets them crying. She displays vulnerability and she displays strength, all in one movie with a huge dynamic playing range. And I felt that that was, for me, a really clear backer for, for the win on The Best Young Adult this year. Um, ben, you had some thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, we, this, this is something that we, we actually talked about quite a lot before we, before we came to record, because obviously this, this film, we were sport for choice. For You know, if, if you're looking for, um, you know, in previous years when we've been looking for nominees for Best Young Adult, you know, the, this year we had one film that had about eight of them in it, you know. It, we were really sport for choice with, for this year in this film, but I think there was just something something special about this this actress um, and and the character she played that just, just stood out so much. But we were going to say, I think the guys in America are joining with us to say that you know, obviously we, we nominated one other character from uh, from from it in that, but we were going to sort of give an honourable mention to the whole ensemble cast of it because. Uh, they were they were they were just all fantastic, you know. Uh, we 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 obviously yeah. Yeah, no weak link there at all. Yeah, yeah. It, they, it was just it was a joy to watch that film, and it was a joy to watch all, all of them playing off each other. And I think uh, Paul, you mentioned uh, your love for Finn Wolf. Uh, is it Hart? Wolf Hart. I can't read this. Finn Wolf Hart from Stranger Things, and then obviously appearing in in, in it, and just did such a great job in 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 both, but you know, especially in this one. Yeah, and I personally, I think obviously they wouldn't have wanted to do it because you don't want to have so many kids coming over from Stranger Thing. But uh, I would love to have seen what Millie Bobby Brown would have done if she'd have been doing well. But I, I think she pretty much the same as, uh, as Sophia. She has a range and a depth that you 
don't see very often in people of this age. So I think it would have been uh, a real battle, actually, if we'd had something with her in yeah. it yeah. come out. So. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Okay, well, I think that's over to me then for the next award. This is our fourth award, and this is the award for Best Use of Special Effects. Um, and all these films excite me greatly, so I'm very, I'm very, uh, <laughs> very pleased to read this one out. So the nominees for Best Use of Special Effects... Ah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Logan, War for the Planet of the Apes, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Wonder Woman, and Thor Ragnarok. And the winner for the best use of special effects is... Logan. Hey! I mean, I think this is pretty much a dead, a dead set for, for all of us. I think we pretty much conclusively came to this decision. I think this was actually one of the only ones where we did come to a conclusive decision. But I think, you know, we all agreed that, yeah, you know, for, for these sort of categories, you know, we're looking for something that's not only done really well, but done in a kind of different and special way. And, and this, re- this film really, really did that. This film was fantastic in so many worlds, but uh, in ways, but their use of those sort of special effects to, to bring this character to life one more time was just so wonderful in, in, in this film. What did you guys think? Uh, right. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I ended up watching this film two days ago oh, really? because I was like, yeah, I, I've got to see this film. Like, I, I knew it would come up in this award and I was like, I, I need to see it. It's been so long and I started watching it and I just started realizing this is what we wanted from the X-Men universe from the beginning. This is what needed to happen Uh and it just didn't. And I I know how much somebody here absolutely hate Deadpool, but without Deadpool, this film wouldn't have existed in this format, I think. So I'm so glad that they were able to take the risk and get this film out there. And it, it leads like, you know, the the graphic violence and the swearing and stuff and the characters, it just I think it deepens the characters and it's able to let them really run with Well yeah, them. it's the content needs to suit the character. And it, yeah. and it's fine to have PG or PG thirteen comic book movies if that's how the character is portrayed in those stories and in those comics. Yeah, but Wolverine, is Wolverine has always not been that. <laughs> he's always been a very R-rated character, yeah, yeah. as was Deadpool. Yeah, and he's to finally has... see him as he should have been, and I know this category is effects, but yeah. you, you're you're very much watching a character piece and not a spectacle, um, and so that's kind of what we go with with this award is you're really not paying attention to the special effects. They're done. They're woven in so well. Yeah, they, they um, you're really paying attention to the narrative on screen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, again, so happy I got to see this one. Finally. Yeah, this was a uh, yeah. I would have seen it three times in the theater, but I could only make it in there twice. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so I believe yes. Uh, coming back over to you now, Brian. All righty. Um, so this one, uh, tangentially off of the last category, is the best use of minimal uh, special effects. Yes. Um, so our nominees this year are the Big Sick. Uh, Baby Driver, Get Out, and Dunkirk. And our winner is Dunkirk. (laughs) I want to toss it over to uh, Across the Pond here and see what the back of the podcast had had to say on this one. Yeah, um, 
I think we should uh, just open up with clarification of the best use of minimal special effects because it feels like a, ca- yeah. a category that shouldn't exist in an awards show. But when we talk about the best use of min- <laughs> minimal special effects, what this means is that your approach to movie making is more rooted in getting everything as real as you possibly can. So you won't want to use a green screen for the ship. You want an actual ship, if that means you've got to go back to a, a, sh- a vessel from the 19... 19- 30s to do that to get it elaborately brought to set then that's what you're going to do and you'll go to real painstaking effort to get as much of the original um, uh, apparatus as you could to tell the story and uh, the minimum amount of tweaking so it also gives um, artists like stuntmen the ability to dis- to display what they can really do without too much fiddling about as well as props as well as the, the landscape picture behind it and I feel um, for me, I felt pretty positive about Dunkirk because I know they went to great lengths in costuming, in in props, and of course in the ships and everything in the setting as much as they could to bring everything together to do the best possible job and and give you a minimal use of special effects in the cinema. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd second all that. I mean, we obviously did a, a joint review on Dunkirk in the summer, and um, I think it was pretty unanimous that you know this was, this was obviously going to be a standout film for the year. Um, and and I, I agree with Byron. I, I always like to see things done kind of that way, as opposed to you know green screen and, and bits and pieces. It's, it just feels so much more legitimate and, and you know real to to see this actually kind of unfolding in front of you. And I just think this film, Christopher Nolan has a has a wonderful way of doing that. Anyway, he's he's brought it to us time and time again, um, and I think he he did wonders with this film and. But as as you say, it's it, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's it's not a film that you walk out the cinema wanting to, you know, high five, high five. It's yeah. it's a very difficult <laughs> it's a di- difficult film no. to watch, and it's it, it, and it reminds you of a of a time not so long ago that you know this all this all went down, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, one of those films that I would say. It, Quite rightly so. Classified as an epic, like it's, yeah. it's a long film. Mm-hmm. There's like it really goes into the nitty gritty of what happened back yeah. then. It's just a, it's very well acted as well. Like, yeah, it's. I was completely like most war films. I, I'm very aware. I'm watching like a war movie. I'm kind of paying attention to other things. This, this was a completely immersive experience. Um, yeah. Where just the, the structure of the narrative, the three story, like the three timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, just completely wrapped up into it and completely jolted and shook by this movie. Yeah. Uh, completely shook. I, I was actually thinking... I think yeah. it was very Go good ahead, wrapping up accelerating the tension throughout the movie and, and maintaining a very high level of mm. tension consistently mm-hmm. from, the, from the word go. And the, the trailer seemed to confirm it would do that um, and it didn't disappoint when we were in the cinema. Yeah, that, I... The the saddest thing for me, because uh, uh, I I've had a, a PlayStation VR thing for a little while now. I think the saddest thing is that they didn't just have the director in there, like obviously filming it on the right camera and all that, but maybe add a 360 camera on top of that and give you the option of having a fully immersive experience in it. Because I I think that would be that would be very impressive. That would be the <laughs> like the reason to get VR technology moving forward is something like this I think we will yeah, be headed that direction here soon but. it makes sense if you can do that because mm. then when you're especially for the scenes on the beach where they're waiting and then enemy aircraft mm. is coming in because then you could really look around and get, get a, a very different uh, depth of feel for the, um, the tension on the beach during that moment yeah and then like if you know that the 
aircraft is coming like you can watch people further down the beach than you ever could yeah. starting to duck and, all and I, that. yeah i did want to mention if we had some sort of i don't know if i'm going to get uh, agreement here but some sort of sound editing award in the show i think dunkirk would win it yeah. hands down oh yeah um, <laughs> the the use of sound in that film i mean is just tension building throughout the from nolan's own personal wristwatch to to the sound of the enemy planes that the planes coming in yeah. it just fills you with dread the whole time it's, it's like an exciting dread like you're <laughs> looking forward and not looking forward to this at the same time yeah, it, it, yeah it's so well done yeah. I agree with that yeah alright alright so I think so, moving on moving on from that uh, fun yeah, is one of one of the most fun categories <laughs> to talk about <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So this, this one is biggest disappointment. Um, <laughs> Strap in for this so one. I, I, yeah, this yeah. might be a few minutes. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I believe the uh, the agreed upon film for this one are Beauty and the Beast, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and Ghost in the Shell. And the winner is. A tie of Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Ghost in the Shell. Because Wait. I would not let that one go. Do we clap or boo on this one? Yeah. There was a bit of a consensus here with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, two out of the four of us definitely were disappointed with this mm. one. Um, I, but wonder, yes, I, I wonder which two... They were. I, <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> name names, Paul. Name names. <laughs> name names. Okay. Uh, well, uh, that wait. Don't be... name names. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, that would be both Byron and Brian. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Not definitely not on board with this one. No. See um, whatever episode number that was of the for, um, yes, for us. For you Thor probably Ragnarok. should have written those down as uh-huh. well. <laughs> uh, but. Yes, they they were very much against it, and uh, that would have been the sole winner if I had not, <laughs> if I had not fought so hard for Ghost in the Shell to be in here. So, um, so why was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two the joint winner for this one from from the two of you that did not so, enjoy it? So I'll toss it here to you in just a second, here, Byron. But just to, to try to do a real quick thirty second recap of my. 30-minute tirade <laughs> in, the, in our podcast episode. Um, this was... I mean, disappointment doesn't cover it. This was a bad movie. And people just want to fall in love with this piece of crap. And just because it's Guardians and because we're seeing the same characters dumbed down... Amen, brother. Amen. And, and, and just hit their beats and hit their lines and... and Use the enunciation that they used all in the last movie, and oh look, Drax hates uh, Drax doesn't understand things, and and look how cute Baby Groot is, and fuck you, <laughs> and, and then we're gonna and then we're gonna try to weave in this really touching father story. It, you're a fun Marvel movie. We don't get that shit out of there. Uh, it was just an utter letdown, and I don't get why people love this movie. Byron. Oh, man. <laughs> this was basically the cinematic equivalent, right, of going to the swimming pool and climbing all the way up to the top of the highest diving board, and just as you get there, to be told the pool is now closed. <laughs> Perfect. You nailed it, sir. <laughs> all right, so that's. <laughs> Much more succinctly than I put it, but as accurate. <laughs> In a nutshell, there. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I. 
I don't think this is the point where we kind of defend it. <laughs> but, no. Uh, we, we've got our episode on You that. had your chance <laughs> to defend it. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, uh, I'll just say I somewhat disagree with that uh, sentiment. Uh, there well, we go. Everyone's uh, entitled to I'm, their I'm, wrong opinion. And I do as well. I, I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here quietly um, listening to it all unfold. Oh, yes. <laughs> but yes, um, and I... Yeah, I could not let Ghost in the Shell get by without uh, being up for this one because, uh, you know, as people that listen to our podcast might be aware, I am an anime fan. I am mm. really into that. Ghost in the Shell was sort of my first anime that I watched, knowing what was an anime that I got into. I watched the, all the series. I watched all three films. And this Ghost in the Shell film, aside from deciding to cast Scarlett Johansson as the major which just no. Uh, they they then decided to incorporate elements from all three films and one of the series and change names, dates, and character backstory to make it work. And then they still just made an incredibly boring, mediocre, shitty film. That yeah, it's, it's, anyone that loves I, the... I mean, the whitewashing was just on the surface of the bad yeah, for that I, in, <laughs> in a really whitewashed year. But um, yeah, I, my question for you, and I, this might be difficult to answer because you're so attached to yeah, the that, source material. I, I understand. Could you objectively rev- see this movie and say it was a okay movie or if, if you... Had that, not without been, having that if you had not read that. I know I, that's difficult to try to oh, put no, your mind no, in that I, place. I but. have I have attempted to think back on it mm-hmm. and try and go. Okay, let's say I didn't know Ghost in the Shell, yeah. and I was just going into this. Um, the problem is that without knowing some of the backstory of the Ghost in the Shell universe. Some of the decisions that they made within the film make no sense. Okay, see, I've only seen about 30 minutes of it. Yeah, Um, so so you would end up getting towards the end of the film and just going... One of the the worst things in cinema is the characters start making decisions or they just bring in a technology and you're supposed to just go, oh, okay, that's in the world. And it's like, well, no, hang on. Like, the uh, the big bad guy that's orchestrating everything... He has a piece of technology that's from the first Ghost in the Shell film. White hair dude, right? Is, uh, no. no. No, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, so, just, and yeah. In this film, it turns out the bad guy is one of the guys that owns the massive corporation. Like, you know, oh no, capitalism. Uh, um, and, then they, and then he uses a giant piece of technology, which is the finale of the last film. But the bad guy that you thought was a bad guy that isn't is from the second series. <laughs> But with a different, <laughs> with a slightly different name, and then it also turns out that it's elements from the first film, an AI that they changed the name of for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> and uh, he, he's he's a project number, but the project numbers don't add up, even in universe. Okay, so there's problems like, with the film. We get it, Paul. So okay, so yes, we got it. We got it. Yeah. We're losing. Um, yeah. But uh-huh. but the absolute biggest sin from this film, mm. and the reason it's a disappointment, is it took a hugely beloved franchise mm-hmm. and made effectively a Western adaptation of it, but still set in Japan. And 
fucked it up so badly. Like, okay. just, that's okay. why it's in here. Gotcha. Did, before we move on, was there anyone that anyone else wanted to say any piece about the other nominees before we move on? Since this was such a high, hotly contested yes, yeah. category, we want to give that opportunity. Um, I mean, for me, obviously, I haven't seen Ghost in the Shell, and, and the two Marvel ones, I, I, I didn't feel as, as strongly as, as everyone else did. For me, my, my nominee was Beauty and the Beast, and the reason I put that forward for a disappointment as opposed to the worst film, is, is purely because um, I, I, I love the, the, the first one, you know, the, the, the animated one. And since Disney have been... I'll, I'll wrap this up really quickly, don't worry. But since, since Disney have been <laughs> kind of trying to remake their films into, uh, you know, real, real films, essentially, you know, non, non-animated ones, there's been a lot of sticks. People say, oh, you know, you're just trying to sort of uh, resell the films. And, and I don't believe they are. I believe they're trying to bring something new to these love stories and I think this is this is them basically saying no we're not actually we're just we're just trying to make more money and that's this that's so disappointing because I don't think they are I think they are trying you know what they did with Cinderella which isn't a film I'd normally watch was so wonderful they they took they took the story and they sort of they really modernized it and they made it very different they made it very watchable to the sort of modern day audience which is what they should have done with this but but it was so rushed that, that I mean don't get me started on the score and the music. She can't. She, she is not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she is not a singer. We'll, we'll chuck you two extra songs that are that are awful. Yeah, yeah. but, but uh-huh. she's not. She's not a singer at, at all. At all. I mean, if you mm. want to hear the worst example of auto tuning, someone who can't sing, listen to the soundtrack. It's it it really <laughs> really upsets me. But obviously, slightly better than Russell Crowe and Lee. Yeah, it, it, it's on that sort of. It's Ooh. on that level. You, you, you put her, they put her in to sell the tickets or get bums on seats, and it's really not paid off. And they sort of rush this film through. And I just feel like in this category, that to me was very disappointing because I like what they're trying to do. And I think mm-hmm. this really, really didn't achieve that. Yeah. And let's have the like wonderfully charismatic and handsome Dan Stevens yeah. visible for 30 seconds. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. Dan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. would, you, would you have been happy if they did what they do in like Aladdin, where they have the actor playing... Uh, Aladdin or Belle Mm -hmm. and then when it comes to her singing it's another singer that they've hired and then she had to listen. See I wouldn't have liked that either because that takes me out of it even more. Um, So I would have just preferred a recap. It's also it's it's more obvious when it's live action. I mean you can get away Mm -hmm. with it when it's animated and a a lot of those animated Disney films did that. You know uh, not not just several of them had singers to come in but the one that didn't was Beauty and the Beast. You know, they they got they got this phenomenal singer who could also act to play the part of Belle, and she really got that character. And I mean, I know it's a, you know, again, people will say, well, it's a kids' film, but it, but I see it as so much more than that. Like it, it it won several awards. It's it's a masterpiece in animated cinema that film, um, and really and, and that score is so it's it's so wonderful, wonderfully written, and it's so wonderfully performed by um, her name escapes me now, but. You, you can just hear it so exposed. She's there with the orchestra. You know, so when she wants to pull it back, she can. And when she wants to let go a little bit, she can. But if you, if you suddenly pull in someone who can't sing, um, and in my opinion, can't act that well either, you lose all that. It just becomes artificial. And it's, it just feels like, again, a, a churning out the machine, you know? Yeah. So, so basically what Disney needs to do for these live-action adaptations is go to the local theatre 
and watch some plays and musicals exactly. and just hire them yeah. like like Adina Menzel when which they is why come in I'm really version. disappointed they didn't do that because they, they've normally been the front runners in doing stuff like that in the sense that when they've wanted to tell a story well they, they've not gone and go oh you know that, that this person's really popular let's put them in it they, they've cast someone who's actually a decent performer as you say Adina Menzel is a great example because she she's not a Hollywood a Hollywood A-lister. She might be now, but she wasn't at the time she was cast in Frozen. She she'd just come off Broadway as, uh, you know, the girl in Wicked. So, yeah, I, I actually got the chance to see her in that uh, in London. That's really? awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. 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 Concern yourselves more with making a good movie than getting a big name draw. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what I thought they they were good at. And this was just like. A complete middle finger to that, and just go. Oh, let's just get it out quickly. Let's just put Emma Watson in it. It's fine. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, well, why don't we try and get out? So, of I was, I was, well, uh, just before, yeah. Uh, Byron, did you need to dig yourself in any further of a hole with Thor, or are you good? <laughs> well, I'd most likely refer um, the listeners to the previous podcast that we went to in. Ex- exquisite detail uh, also referred to as Byron versus the World that was published um, just, just, a, just a week or so ago for my, the Thor Ragnarok um, that was of course my nomination and I say I did go into extreme detail about what my, what my problems were there however okay. I feel that I am somewhat of a minority in that belief but um, you know I didn't want it to go past without giving it one last kick boys <laughs> and I wanted to give you that opportunity. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I think everyone should just take a breath. And now I'm really happy to, to go on to the uh, the next category. And everyone just needs to calm down from the last one. Have a gin and tonic. And uh, and, and this is this is, yes. this is a good one. This is a fun one. So um, I'm 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 happy to be announcing this one. So on this one, we are announcing the best film experience of 2017. Um, so, without further ado, here are the nominations for Best Film Experience, which are Dunkirk, The Greatest Showman, Paddington 2, Wonder Woman, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. And the winner is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy about this, is Paddington 2. Hey! What? No, no, what? no, 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 no. That is not what we agree. What are you doing? That is not what we I'm so happy. This one was my idea. This one was my nomination. And this, this I can't be happy if this one won. For me, this was, Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is what you have when you podcast with three Brits. So, okay, continue. This was, for me, this was the best film I saw all year. Um, just because it just it, it's it was so wonderfully different. It was it was so beautifully made, and it just I just was not expecting this film at all. Firstly, I mean it's a sequel. I mean I loved the first one. Came out a couple of years ago, and I watched it, not expecting to love it as much. I sort of put it on with my daughter. Thought, oh, let's just, we'll shove this on. You know, um, she, she'll watch it. She got bored within minutes and, and wandered off. And I was just like, what is this? This is amazing. You know, but this is not like. You know, Smurfs two or Shrek two or whatever. This is this is a legitimate, brilliant film that's very different to the first. You don't need to see the first to to understand or or, or get anything from it. You you can just go in completely blind and love it. And yeah, maybe it's a Brit thing. I don't know because obviously um, <laughs> there's three Brits here and no, one American. I will, but <laughs> I will see this and update update everyone. Um, but yeah, it looks like I'd be on board for it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, so. <laughs> yeah, bear put this forward, and um, I saw that, and my immediate reaction was, "What?" <laughs> like, uh, Paddington Two, 
really? <laughs> okay. And I was even joking to my wife, like, okay, I'm, I'll watch it. Uh, I'm like, I'll see what the fuss is about. I even asked you, do you need to have seen the first one? You said no. And uh, so I was like, okay, good. I don't have to watch Paddington 1. I'll just get into 2. And so I started watching it, and I got about 40 minutes in. I had to pause it for whatever reason. I just turned to my wife and just went, it's actually good. <laughs> like, and she, she just had to think, like, you were making fun of it. Well, I know. I've changed my mind. <laughs> I, it's, just, it's genuinely good. I mean, it's, it is... Ima- try and imagine, for those of you that don't know about it, try and imagine the most sweetly and like just non non-insulting british stereotypes you can possibly imagine and it's in paddington 2 and it's among every other british stereotype you can find i mean it it it's about a bear who loves marmalade <laughs> living with a family in central london and there's an old actor that steals a book and he goes to prison for it. I mean, like, what What the hell? What kind of a plot is that? But it just works. It's just phenomenal. You get immersed in it. And I, I was, what, 10 minutes in? And I was so nostalgic for London. I just wanted to go back there. I just... Uh, well, just well I am sold. Robert Crawley is in it, so I, I'm sold. <laughs> Robert Crawley is oh, There you it. go. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a fantastic... If anyone's not seen it, I would recommend massively... We, we've actually just podcasted it on a, you know, a whole podcast dedicated to it, but we, you know, we, we were talking about you know, how they just balanced that, the, the family loving and the, the, the comedy and the... And, and and the emotional scenes as well, just so brilliantly. So when so when there's a funny moment, it's it's brilliant. And when there's when there's an emotional moment, it floors you. You know, it's just it's so brilliantly made, and and cro- the craftsmanship in the making of this film is is is, is great. I tell you what, it reminded me of. Um, what, the more I think about that movie, because I was, I was really trying to put it into words, because I went into the Paddington to movie thinking I'm just I'm not going to like this but he's really you know Bear's asked me to watch it he's been very very you know uh, passionate about it so I'll, I'll I'll get into it but it just I just found it so charming and so disarming and an incredibly well executed movie but the, probably the easiest way I can explain it is if you guys imagine you know those old fashioned Victorian pocket watches you know the kind that go on a chain you know the ones I mean guys yeah yeah. it's, it's um, like it's like you getting one of those in your hand for the first time ever as a little boy and then you open up the back of it and you see all of the little cogs and all of the little working parts that make it move and it's so intricately beautifully put together and well balanced and that's what it feels like watching Paddington 2 as a critic <laughs> yeah and, and one thing I will say I actually ended up um, seeing this scene before I saw the film and I enjoyed it just as much when I saw it in the film if not more so because I got everything around it uh, but for me the the best scene in it is when the Browns go to visit Paddington in jail uh-huh. And he's surrounded by all the other prisoners. <laughs> I know the video. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that 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 one scene, that it kind of encompasses that film. Like there's there's the uniquely Britishness of it, and just the absurdity. And yeah, it just works. It just works so well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, and I don't want to say any more no. than that because I <laughs> I genuinely want people to see the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, moving on, I believe. Yeah, I, I think this one, Byron's yeah. turn. Thank you. So the next category we're going to be approaching uh, and announcing um, the nominees for is the worst film 
category for 2017. Now, it's important at this point to mention that this is to be differentiated from the biggest disappointment. Um, the biggest disappointment relies upon uh, the viewer being preloaded with a, a very high expectation about what they're going to see. Now this could have been because a movie has preceded it, like a, a volume one or a first edition of something or a comic <laughs> book, and then they fall far. But in order to win the worst film category, it's actually much, much harder. Um, I say, quote-unquote, win the worst film category. <laughs> um, in order to win this category, you can't just be a disappointment. You actually need to completely fail to execute the movie on multiple levels so that it is utterly unwatchable. It will need to have a poor plot. It will need to have awful timing, an unhelpful use of special effects that don't buy it any favours, and it sure as hell shouldn't make you feel any sense of care for the characters. Okay. In short, no preloading whatsoever yes. there, Byron. <laughs> In short, it should make you hate. So, without further ado, the, 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 the nominees for the worst film are Geostorm, Valerian, and Fifty Shades Darker. And the winner for the 2017 worst film goes to Valerian. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, this is an interesting car uh, category. Um, I think we came up with this a few years ago when we started just to give a little bit of lightheartedness uh, to the awards. But it goes to show, interestingly, that in the in the cinematic universe where massive, massive budgets are on the table and you have access to some of the top writing talent that's available, you know, that this sort of thing can still happen. The fact that this category exists tells you some interesting things about cinema and about the movie-making world and that, in other words, they don't get it right all the time. And sometimes not only do they not get it right, they can get it really, really wrong. Um, Bear, you saw this film as well, so yeah. just give us an angle on like, some of the things we said about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a tricky one because it, 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 I felt like it was, it was so disappointing to the point where we were thinking, oh, she's going to be disappointment, but it was just so bad that it just needed to be in the worst film category. But it was disappointing in the sense that it could have been so different. It, it, it just... This this film had had certain levels of potential that that just went completely wrong. It just it was a complete shit show, as as, as we said when we were sort of talking about it. Um, it you know as as Byron sort of so eloquently put, you know they've they've tried to sort of force feed this this, this make believe story between two characters that you don't care about in the slightest. You don't feel anything for because they've spent no time sort of properly developing the characters. Um, and it was interesting, Paul, because something you said about Ghost in the Shell, where they were kind of just forcing in bits of technology halfway through, and then suddenly, like, we're just supposed to accept that. That happened so much in Valerian, and I was listening to you say that, and I was thinking, this is going to be reminiscent when we do the Valerian <laughs> bit, because I was thinking, it's, it's the same, it's the same problems, and obviously they've fallen at the same, the same hurdle, like... They couldn't make up their minds on so many things and then obviously halfway along the way they thought, oh, do you know what, we need to have this in here now so we need to just get that, just find a way to get that in and we'll, we'll just hope the audiences are okay with it. There was a lot of that and there was a lot of just hokey plot and stuff that just didn't make any sense and, and you know, it, it, to a point where no one cared. <laughs> I just didn't care about, I just wanted it to end. 
I just wanted the film to end and, and for me to get the two hours back. Wow. <laughs> Did it make you hate? No, two hours seventeen. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, I did not see. I was super excited by the trailer for this, and then I, it took too long for me to get to the theater, and then by by then word was out. Um, you know, as to how utterly uh, shitty this was. Yeah. Um, and I'm such a fan of Luke Besson, and that's yeah. you know because. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just want to ask because he does make somewhat visual masterpieces, mm-hmm. and I mean, as bonkers as Lucy was, I still enjoy that movie because it is just fun. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, were you able to enjoy this visually at all, or there, just, there were points, you were just angry? There were points in this film that looked, they did look great, and 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 I and I said to Byron like, that I drew parallels to people like Guillermo del Toro because there was bits on IMDb trivia about how. There were so many different species of alien in this film that he'd obviously created and he'd come up with designs for and he tried to feature and, and you know some of that was 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 really great, you know, but the problem is it just didn't lead to anything and, and it was surrounded by so much inconsistency. So yeah, you're right. Was it yeah. Sorry, go on. It was just a, like a try hard fifth element, like it, a exa- try too exactly hard. that. And and the thing is it was like yeah. he had he had all the ideas for what could be a visually stunning and interesting idea, but forgot to do anything with the actual plot and the main characters. <laughs> so some of it looks great and there's and there's some potential in terms of the like the species and, and the actual what's going on with the stories of the where they all are and you know why they're all coming together and stuff. That's quite interesting. But unfortunately it's like you know, we, we said in our podcast like if you look at a film like Star Wars, a lot of people sort of say like in that first Star Wars film, it's it's not the best sort of put together film. The original one isn't in you know in in, in movie history. But what carries it is the the plot and the characters and the and the acting of those characters. You know, we we all fall in love with Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, and this is like the opposite. It's like th- there's no one to take us on this journey that we care about. You know, so th- there is mm. some potential there, but it's lost because. There's no one to take us on the journey. So it, it sounds like um, what you probably think is I know Luc Besson came up with the idea for this film when he was 15, and it sounds like what you're saying is that he then didn't alter it in any way, shape, or form before he filmed yeah. it. Yeah, and and, and so. forgot to get any direction out of of his actors. You know, he, he just didn't spend any time with the actors or the plot development. It was all just you know color and species, and as you say, 15 year old like. You know, oh yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> well, that, this will be interesting then, because obviously I'm very drawn to visuals. So I think eventually we might cover that one ourselves, and maybe it'll be one of a, a good polarizing episode where I'll enjoy it for many reasons that others won't. Well, so. I look forward to listening to your review when you when you do it. You let us know. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think Absolutely. we will. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving away from the worst film will be our last category, which I believe is Brian. That is right. To wrap things up, we have the best film, Ubo Na. <laughs> um, so uh, I believe our nominees are The Big Sick, Wonder Woman, Get Out, and Logan. And the 2017 best film is... Get out! Yeah. Yes. This uh, this one was um, somewhat contested. We had a really good conversation that I think we may have gotten. Yeah, <laughs> maybe an Easter egg somewhere. Maybe um, 
<laughs> but uh, it pretty much came down to get out in the big sick on this one um, yes. as the front runners. And get out is just, I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, find someone that has an HBO password, rent it, buy it, whatever. You're not going to be let down. Um and I don't want to get too long-winded as four white men talk about this film, but uh, <laughs> because things will go awry. Um, but it is, on the surface, just a great movie, just a well-made horror mystery movie. And then you add in directorial debut. You add in the extremely important social commentary. Um, I saw this as a two-bit, like... I, I saw Lego Batman earlier in the day, and then I saw Get Out with my friend. Oh. Probably, in retrospect, maybe reverse that order. <laughs> um, but uh, just, I mean, it's important for us to feel uncomfortable and, and not shy away from that and and kind of see things like, oh, you, I love that Tiger Woods and understand why that's horrible and offensive yes. <laughs> and just... There's not enough good things I can say about this film and how it was carried out and executed by Jordan Peele and all of the actors and everyone involved. Uh, I just want to toss it to someone else because I, like I said, keep, will keep going. So, uh, anyone else want to uh, chime in on Get Out? Well, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you've just said. I, I, I watch this one and I'm just completely surprised by it. Um, I think we said on, on our first category as well that as, as, as we discussed when we were talking about the nominees, like, I think this will go down as more of just a good film. I think this will stand the test of time as a sort of... It's such an iconic moment in, in time, um, in, you know, when it's set, which is this sort of post-Obama you know post -Obama American, uh, yeah, American film. And, um, yeah, I, I was absolutely blown away by it. I, I, was, I was more blown away to find out that the director, you know, this was his debut, debut job and, and just absolutely smash this one out of the park it's funny for me because i i always watch I, I watch the everything wrong with series on youtube which i'm a big fan of i don't know if any of you watch them but you know they're, they're, oh, they're yeah. really good fun <laughs> so normally i'm into the, into the habit of uh watching you know watching a film and then seeing if he's done an everything wrong with, and he'd done one on this and i watched it and you it's it's interesting because you always get a feel for how much he loves a film by by how much he's sort of retracting going do you know what this is really good actually just this, this is really good there's, there's nothing wrong with this film this is really good and he keeps retracting sins back off because it, because he's like yeah, do you know what this is really good this film so so that says a lot to me as well because i i i'm a big admirer of that series and um yeah i, I really enjoyed the film i really enjoyed of of, of the of the uh of what it said politically um, I was sorry to cut in there, but I also right. feel that um, I think one of the reasons why this film resonated well, because as I said before, is to get a, a movie that's kind of indexed under the horror end of the spectrum, you know, um, in this sort of category is not, I don't know how common that is, yeah. um, especially in some of the bigger, you know, other awards as well that happen. But um, I feel that one of the things I really liked about this movie was that it, it seemed to tap into the past way that movies were done and thought out as well and I'll tell you now that I feel that the director I feel um, was influenced by someone like Alfred Hitchcock in in the way, oh, he, the way he put so. this movie together um, in the way they structured it uh, and I could I could tell you if, if Hitchcock was around today that he'd watch this and I could see that this is the kind of movie he'd like to have had made you know with the kind of technology and the evolution of cinema where, where it went you know where we are now 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, if you if you watch Key and Peele and uh, listen to him talk, like Jordan Peele knows his horror. He is a he's really studied it, and that you can tell that coming through. Like he's a huge fan of it, and he knows how to execute it perfectly. So it's uh, yeah, very well. I, I mean, not just a genuinely hilarious, but a, a incredibly insightful and intelligent yeah. person to listen to interviews on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's certainly one to watch. Do you guys know what's coming up for him in the next year or so? Any other bits that we should all keep our heads up? Uh, I don't know. I need to ask. Yeah, there, there's just one thing. It says upcoming project um, unnamed, um, as far as director. Um, yeah. yeah, untitled uh, project. Now I don't know if there is more research to be done. Yeah. If people I, know what that is, I but, feel like mm-hmm. when Get Out came out. There wasn't much preceding it either of like real information about the film. They obviously released a trailer and everything, but you didn't know that much. And I kind of hope that that continues, because mm. I I always feel obviously I hate the fact that mm. trailers spoil so much now. But mm. uh, I I love when a film comes out and you're like, oh what what's this? I haven't yeah, heard about this. Like, then you actually, mm. you get to go in without any real expectations, <laughs> and then hopefully it. I'm going to hope that Jordan Peele continues making films of this caliber that uh, he's able to surprise again and again with, like, oh, well, that's really cool. I didn't know about that. Well, yeah, I, I hope he, because this is obviously a, a passion project and that comes through. Yeah. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, Lil Ray Howery, who played uh, Rod in this movie, yeah. because, it, because in such a heavy, heavy movie, yeah. he those scenes where he was able to bring some levity and humor uh yeah, needed yeah absolutely much needed. needed because that it is a it is a, a an experience and to have those moments where you can relax for just a moment and um yeah uh, it, it was just such a great character Perfectly um, crafted, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. not fair to point out one person but yeah the the humor <laughs> there was very appreciated yeah. yes yeah. okay is, is there I, um, else I, I feel like uh, we've uh, we've covered most of what we want to say. We, yeah, anything that didn't get covered or that we skipped over that you wanted anyone needed to chime in on. Yeah. No, I think that good, feels very positive, guys. Feels like another <laughs> wonderful um, the the our AGM that we have now yearly. <laughs> Can you say that again? It kind of cut you out. Sorry. No, I was saying it was a lovely another wonderful rendezvous with you gentlemen this year um, I think we've got an exciting year ahead for cinema we were talking about this earlier about what we're looking forward to most at the cinema in 2018 and listeners will know that we now have our summer blockbuster rendezvous that we like to do so you'll be you'll be hearing the, the collaboration again mm-hmm. um, uh, yes. yes I would like to put have a uh, little Miss Cleo moment and say I will be putting Han Solo in biggest disappointment next year Okay. I am really excited for that, but I do not think it's going to deliver. I don't. I really don't. It's a lot, man. I don't know. You're signing up to your. You're signing up something very early on by saying that. It's. it's I know. I know. I could be incredibly wrong, but that's what chances are for. You take them. Yeah. You've gone on record now and said. I don't know. I'm very concerned about the the changing of directors. I wanted to see the first director's uh, take on it. but uh, yeah, we'll see how it comes out and see if I'm uh, eating my words. We're here, just so. we're just puzzled as <laughs> to right. where where it's 
where it all is because although I did say like it's Super Bowl Sunday in America today, isn't it? And um, and I was one. Yeah, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I, I was wondering if uh, we might be getting a Han Solo hint at in you know in the in the very expensive you know movie trailer section of, of the uh, oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Uh-huh. We'll see. Is what is that? I, I don't think yeah. Disney need to do that. Mm-hmm. No, like they, I think especially at this point, like obviously it's nice to have the trailer air at the Super Bowl because loads of people are going to see it. But at this point. I feel like they could release it at 4 a.m. And by the time everyone's waking up to go to work, it will have been seen about 20 million times. Yeah. Like they don't need to spend the money on the Super Bowl for this. That's thing. a very good point. And we did... At least right now. And we did say that, like, you know, in, in a clever sort of way, like, everyone's talking about, you know, where's the trailer, where's the, where's the pictures, blah, blah, blah. but in a weird sort of way, we're all still talking about it. You know, and, and you said that, didn't you? Because it's like, it, it's a funny sort of marketing. It's the cheapest form of marketing, but it seems to be working because everyone's still talking about the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's one of the things that uh, I always find it interesting when, especially now, Disney. Disney owns so many different franchises and everyone knows that. And so pretty much anything that's coming out loads of people are going to see regardless of like what the critics say mm. because it's a disney owned thing so obviously all of the disney animation studio films loads of people are going to see all of the pixar films loads of people are going to see all of the marvel films loads of people are going to see and star wars is always a big draw so mm. like they basically need to do no marketing whatsoever yeah, for those things because everyone's going to see it anyway yeah, that's very true. yeah. Right. although i i will say now my uh a uh, film that I just realised that I'm most looking forward to for this year, which might also fall into biggest disappointments, possibly, we'll see, <laughs> is Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that as well, yeah. Yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. Yeah, I... they've got everyone back for it, so... I don't know what I'm feeling for... Any other predictions? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about this year. I mean, I'm obviously very, very excited about the infinity war but that that you know that that could go either way and we you know we've said before like whether the film is good or bad that is going to be a, a monstrous film that's going to be a monster of a film like something we've never seen before you know yeah massive <laughs> the budget's going to be something colossal and yeah you know that 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 could make it go either way so i'm, I'm very interested to, to see what's going to happen there you know and I'm interested to hear Byron's take on Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry, you will, boys. When the time comes, uh, when the time comes, it will happen. So I'm just biding my time. I'm not good. thinking anything at the moment. I'm very up and down on that. So we'll just see it. I'll just, I'll just deal with it on a case by case basis. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Right. <laughs> okay, well, gentlemen, are, right, we, so are we wrapped for another, uh, another year? Um, yes, I think, uh, I think so, that yeah. is everything. Yeah. Yeah. We Thanks better, everyone for sticking with us. Yes, uh, yes. We better let the poor listeners go. Yes. <laughs> let all of your uh, your hate directed to what was your guys' uh, Twitter again? Any issues with everything? Direct them towards Byron and Bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah go find them on Amazon and read them about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, feedback always welcome. Yeah. So, any closing words, anyone? Are we ready to sign off? All good for me. And I, I... All right, so we will see you on the 
sixth annual unofficial <laughs> official non-academy award awards or uonas uonas as they are, uh, will but, now yeah, forever we'll, be known he's speaking to you uh, sooner than that I think with a yes. with a review here in the coming yes. months so alright All right. So, so with that uh, I've been Brian I've been Paul and I've been Tom I've been Byron uh, and bye folks bye 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 bye, bye. <laughs> in case I don't see ya good afternoon good evening Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.